Mount Lebanon, dear family and friends of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who calls us into his kingdom. This is a sermon series about you. This is a sermon series about who you are. This is a sermon series about what you do because of who you are. This, this is a sermon series about what you do where you are whenever you're there. This is a sermon series about you. But lest there be any confusion about what the sermon series is all about, I want to be clear right up front, this is not a sermon series that's meant to drum up more volunteers. Because sometimes we go through a sermon series like this and it's this, this pep rally trying to say, all right, you can serve Jesus and do it now. Of course, it's partially that. But part of me wonders in the depths of my heart is if we understand what the scriptures teach, instead of doing more at church, you might do less but better. And maybe instead of serving here at church, you might serve differently out in the world or in your community, in your home. As we come to understand what the scripture teaches about the body of Christ, about who we are as priests in his kingdom of kings and queens under him, his chosen royal priesthood, as we come to understand that, maybe things will look a little bit differently about the way, maybe at least in your heart, that you get involved. This is not a sermon series trying to get more people to do more stuff. It's really about discipleship. Because when you think about the mission that Jesus has given to his church, go and make disciples, his, his, his mission is not go and get more volunteers, go and get more people involved. His mission is disciple people. It's something that, that I take very seriously, and I hope that by the time that we're done, that it's something that you take very seriously, not only to be a disciple, but to disciple others. But I'm getting ahead of myself. And really what we're going to do throughout the course of this series is not so much talk about the go and do, but we want to set down a foundation for you. Set down a foundation for you on Christ, who is our Savior, who is the cornerstone of the church. We, we want to we start at the very beginning, and that's where I'll say right off the beginning, if you're taking notes, roots come before fruits. Think about the way that Jesus talks about the life of the church. Think about the way that he talks about the life of his followers. How many times does Jesus talk about trees and fruits? Jesus doesn't say, do good fruit and then you'll be a good tree. Doesn't he rather say, make a tree good and its fruit will be good? Right, so before we can talk about the things that, we're, that we do, the way that we get involved, the way that we plug into the church and the ministry of Mount Lebanon, or, or minist be doing ministry and service in the world beyond Mount Lebanon, before we can talk about, about purpose and, and possibility, we have to talk about identity. Before we can talk about the fruits that we bear, we have to set down roots into Christ, roots before fruits. And so most of this series is really setting down roots into Christ so that then fruits will come, roots before fruits. So today we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you can follow along on the screen, you can follow along in your sermon notes. Uh, this is God's word for us today, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 4. 
Paul says this, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. This is the word of our God. Would you pray with me? Lord God, Spirit of God, breathe life into your people. Breathe life into me. Breathe life into all of us that we might be set free Set free to live without fear of opinion, without fear of being enough because our sufficiency, our competence, our enoughness, it comes from you. Spirit, set us free by the truth because your word is the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God took Abraham, we read this a second ago, God took Abraham outside and he said, Abraham, look at the stars in the sky and, and count them if you can. Another time God took Abraham and he said, you see the sand here? Can you count the grains of sand? And of course, Abraham, he's just a person like you and I. He's just a man like you and I. He couldn't, but do you know who could? Do you know who does? Do you know who did? Do you know who, now, who knows how many stars there are in the sky? Do you know who counts them? The God who asked Abraham, can you count? God counts things. He counts stars. He counts sand. And when God did that for Abraham, do you think that Abraham's faith grew? It grew to such an extent so that just a little bit later after this, God, God stood with Abraham and looked over Sodom and Gomorrah and he said, God, would you count the people there? If there are 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, God, would you count? God, would you count the people to see who, who there are faithful to you? Would you count? Because each soul matters to you, God, I know that. Each person, they're a number, but they're more than a number. They're a soul whom you love and whom, for, whom you die, for whom you will later die. God, would you count? Abraham, ask God to count. Did, did you know this about God, that he, he counts a lot? Uh, it, those are maybe the parts of the Bible that we kind of skip over, that we don't pay much attention to. But have you ever noticed, maybe, maybe you will now, you notice how often God counts people. When Jacob and his family went to Egypt, he counted them. There were just 70 of them. When they came out of Egypt, he counted them again. When they crossed the Jordan into Israel, into the promised land, he counted them again. When they went to exile, he counted them. When they came back from exile, he counted. See, God's, God counts. And that's not just a matter of let's make sure we have a tally of people. Let's not just see what the numbers are. This is a matter, this is because God cares about each one. See, when God counts, we grow. And that's not the only time that God counts. Did you notice on Pentecost? God counted. 3,000 were added to their number that day. And, and a little bit later in the book of Acts, 5,000 were added to the number. In fact, the book of Acts is full of addition. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. God counts. And when he does, our, our roots, 
When God counts, our roots grow into him. He, he counts the hairs of our head, doesn't he? He counts the days of our lives. He, he, he counts all of us who are here. He knows those who are his. We matter to him. God counts. And when God counts, our faith grows. Our roots sink into him. But have you ever noticed what happens when we count? You know, we do this. In fact, it's my, every morning, it's my Sunday afternoon or Monday morning activity. I count. I want to explain to you why. I sit down and I, and I make a tally of which, which of God's people were here, and it's not because I want to catch you. It's because I care. It's because I want to know who's here and I want to know who's not here because maybe you're not here. Maybe somebody's not here because they're sick or suffering and they haven't let anybody know, and how am I going to know if I don't notice? I try to notice. Pastor Krieger and I, we try to notice. Our board of nurture, we try to notice and we try to do something about it because we care. We, we count butts in the pews. We, we, are, we have a counting team that cuts bucks in the bank. We, we, we have, I don't count the bucks in the bank. I'm thankful for that. We, we count people who serve. But you ever notice what happens when, when we, the church, counts? Sometimes it's this moments and some more often than not though it's like it's not enough where is everybody else you might say sometimes we count and it's not enough when when we count we just kind of shrivel up i don't know if that's how you feel and I'm just talking right now about, about the corporate life, the body life of the church. Have you ever thought about what happens when you count in your own spirit life? If you were to count how often you're doing devotions and tally it up, if you were to count how often you are in church and tally it up, if you were to count how often you as fathers are praying with your children and doing devotions with them or husbands praying with your wives, if you were to count how often you're sharing your faith with people, what happens inside of you when you count your effort? It's not enough. Even if there are moments for thanksgiving, there's plenty of moments for repentance. When we count and we only shrivel up. So what if we count fruits, right? We, we, could, count, we could count effort. We could, what if we count fruits? What if we were to count the effort, the fruit of our sharing our faith? I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but you invite somebody to church and they tell you, yes, I'll be there. And then they're not there. Or you invite somebody to class and, and they don't come. Or, or the witness you share is pushed back against and rebuffed. Or you think to yourself, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying with my family, but I feel still inside. Shouldn't I feel differently about following Jesus? I'm doing the things I'm supposed to be doing, but it's not making me better. I'm anxious, I'm discouraged, I'm depressed, I'm... I'm full of malaise, whatever you want to say. I'm reading the scriptures, but I'm not feeling any different. Where's this fruit Jesus talks about? 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. See, when we count effort, when we count fruit, we only go shrivel up because it's not enough. 
So, so maybe we look at other people and we say, okay, so what are other people saying about me? As long as other people think I'm doing okay, then I must be doing okay. We look to the opinions of other people. And you might have some people who clap, but you also might have some people who don't. You compare yourself to other people and say, what can I do and what are they doing? We count in all sorts of different ways, and almost every time that we count, we find ourselves lacking. Actually, every time we count, we find ourselves lacking. It's not enough. Would it surprise you if I told you that this is just kind of the way it is with all people? That, that no matter who you are, no matter how much you count, you will always find yourself to be not enough. Might be a dangerous thing to do, but I want to quote Madonna. Look what she says. Can you throw it up there? She, she says this, My drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. So you have this, she has this breakthrough like, yay, it was a good day, but I feel I'm still mediocre and, and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended and I guess it never will. So no matter how you count, you will always find yourself to be not enough. Would it surprise you if I told you that some people thought that the Apostle Paul was not enough? If you read the, the entire second letter to the Corinthians, there is a good portion of that letter that is devoted to Paul defending his ministry. There were some people who were saying about Paul, Paul, he, he can't talk well. He's, he's not good enough. He doesn't have any special letters. There were these so-called super apostles, and Paul was just a regular apostle. Right, Paul is, is in defense of it. Part of this is part of, Paul is defending his ministry, but I want you to understand something. Paul was not defending his ministry for the sake of his person, but for the sake of the gospel. And what we have here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, at least in part, is Paul saying, this is my confidence. Even though the opinions of people coming at me would tear me down, and steal all my confidence so that I shrivel up like a weed. This is my confidence. Let me read it to you again. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to get this. I'd love it if this was in your heart. Such confidence, it's on the screen, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. See, see, Paul understood something about God, and I would have you understand the same thing today. Paul understood that God does count. You could say it this way, God reckons, God considers. It's, it's a matter of God's addition, that God counts, but he doesn't count this. God counts, but he does not count sin. Prove it to you. Psalms. Look at the Psalms. Psalm 130. If you, O Lord, kept a record, counted them up and tallied them up, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? And inside the brackets, but you, Lord, don't count. 
but with you there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. Or, or, or Psalm 32, blessed is the Lord whose sin the Lord does not count against him. God does not, you see the beautiful gospel truth in this, because of Jesus, God does not count your sin against you. Right, that's the truth that in Romans chapter 4 that, that Paul clings on to as he talks about Abraham who's justified by faith. Right, he starts out by talking about forgiveness and he says, forgiveness means this, that God does not count our sins against us. And then he moves into this truth that God does count righteousness to us. Or if you just turn the page in 2 Corinthians to chapter 5, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. So if you're, if you're counting and you're feeling your failures and you're knowing your failures because they really are failures, you're not enough of yourself. Your effort, your fruit is not enough. It's not good enough. It's never, you're never competent. Know this, that God counts, but he does not count your sin. And God counts something else too. He counts holiness, but not yours. See, see, when God sits in heaven, and just take a journey with me through the scriptures for a minute. When God sat, the Father sat in heaven and he watched Jesus, he had his ledger book out. And he's paying careful attention to the life that Jesus lived. He's paying careful attention to the time and the attention and the devotion that Jesus had when he was in his father's house doing his father's business. And God counted. And God was counting when Jesus obeyed his parents and was obedient to them, going back to them to Nazareth. He, he counted. And when Jesus got down on his feet to wash, got down on his knees to wash his disciples' feet, showing them the full extent of his life, God, God counted. And when Jesus kept the Sabbath, they got counted. And when, and when Jesus showed love and healed the sick, he got counted. And when Jesus prayed and called on his Father, God counted. And throughout his life, God's counting and counting and counting. He's adding up all the works of holiness that Jesus did during his life and ministry. And God didn't just count the, the, the work that he did. He counted the fruits of his labor. That through the death and resurrection of Jesus, God counted the fruits of Jesus' labor, the, the fruits which overflow to you and me, which are forgiveness and life and peace and salvation. And then God offered his opinion of it all. Not just once, but three times. Did you know this? this? God three times announces his op opinion of, of the work that Jesus did when Jesus was baptized. Remember that? God the Father loudly for the world to hear said, this is my son whom I love, I'm pleased with him. At the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was transfigured before his disciples, his clothes shone like lightning, God the Father said again, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And one other time, but not with words. When he rolled the stone away from the tomb of Jesus and brought his son out, that was God's final declaration 
I accepted his work. I counted it complete. See, the resurrection is not just Jesus showing his power. It's God the Father saying, my son did it done. That's bad grammar. My son finished it. My son completed it. See, God counts holiness. He counts work. He counts fruit, but not yours. But here's the thing. He counts, he, he counts Jesus as yours. You get the credit. Right? That's what Paul is holding on to. When Paul says our sufficiency comes from God, he's recognizing this powerful truth that God counts me righteous and God counts me holy and God counts me sanctified because of what Jesus did. It's not because Paul was a good preacher. It's not because Paul was anything special. It's not because Paul had anything to offer God. It's because God had something to offer Paul. See, we can talk about our salvation in terms of addition and subtraction. We're talking about math today. We can talk about salvation in terms of God subtracting sin from us, taking our sins away, putting it on Jesus. And we can talk about our salvation in terms of addition. And what I mean is this. God adds holiness, sanctification, righteousness to you. That's what Paul held on to. Paul claimed and clung to this added righteousness that was his through faith. And I would encourage you, dear people of God, as you set down roots into Christ, lay claim to his sufficiency. Your enoughness, your sufficiency, your competence is not because of what you can do with your hands or what you can do with your mouth or what you can do with your feet or what you can do with your life. It's not that. Our sufficiency, our competence is not from ourselves, Paul says. But rather, you have a sufficiency, a competence that comes to you from the outside. Your sufficiency, your enoughness, your holiness comes from him. Lay claim to him. Because in this congregation of ragtags and misfits, the reality is there are no misfits. You are wholly sanctified and competent and enough because God has added it to you and given it to you in Christ. Amen? Amen? Now the God of peace grant you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Amen.